Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of somebody's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that help craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates and should be celebrated and not judged. Today's guest is a special guest in my opinion. Many of my guests are special, but this is different. Steve Ryder is the president and founder of a company called True North Networks. It's a cybersecurity company. He started it, as you'll hear, in 2002. Very interesting story, very interesting time in his life. He actually worked in the financial services industry, serving as a vice president of two banks and managing relationships with Fannie Mae, one of New England's largest clients, and was the CFO of the largest real estate company in New Hampshire. He's been to El Salvador and Ecuador more than a dozen times, not only building houses with his local Rotary group, but volunteering his time and donating equipment to many local schools in those countries. Steve really wowed me with some tips that he thinks, top three tips that he thinks everybody should be aware of. So grab your favorite beverage, sit on back and sip away. Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, sitting in on the show today. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you. Yeah, well, I think your vineyard is intriguing. When I always talk about wandering through different vineyards, um, I think had I known the analytics behind what you do at like 18 or 19 years old, then I may have pursued that as a potential oh. career, although I absolutely love numbers. So I don't know if I would really make that change or not, but, but it's the analytics behind it that intrigue the heck out of me when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, but before we get into your journey and your story and the formation of your vineyard, I love to ask my guests, uh, I guess, a welcoming question of, do you have a favorite wine? Uh, well, you know, I tell you a funny story. Uh, I had done some volunteer work in Ecuador. And while I was down there, and I was trying to look it up before we got on this call just to see if I could remember. I know the name of it. It's called it was called Trio, uh, and I can't find it anymore, uh, but it was a wine I bought in Ecuador. And at the time, I actually brought some back to the United States because I couldn't find any in the United States. And it was a blend. It had Malbec in it, but I forget the other two blends that were in it, but it certainly had Malbec because it is one of my favorite flavors of wine. And uh, I would say it was a unique blend of wines that uh, I really enjoyed. I was doing some volunteer work down in Ecuador, uh, doing some computer consulting for some schools down there. And uh, wow. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So how about you? How, how about you? What's your favorite? <laughs> my, wine, my favorite wine changes based on, you know, what's going on and the time of year. I'm a big rosé fan in the summertime. And my favorite rosé is from a vineyard up north called Prijan. Um my favorite Cab Franc probably is a toss-up between um, Lakewood from Seneca Lake and Bully Hill, who is not known for their dry um, okay. wines at all, but they're, it's probably one of my favorites. So then if you get into the Malbecs, you know, anything from Argentina, from oh, that yeah. region. 
although I did discover one from Berkeley out of Texas, um, out of Lubbock, Texas, that's in Lubbock. So, you know, it depends on the day, yeah. the, size of, <laughs> the size of the glass and the mood that I'm in, I think. Depends on how rough a day you had and whether, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> whether you need a full bottle or a half a bottle, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got it. You got it. So I did, I'd love to dig into, um, so for how we met, just so the um, listeners have a little background, is uh, every year I've gone to uh, a conference that is XY Planning Conference. This year it was in St. Louis. And I happened to be doing a little presentation um, for other planners on, you know, some things that we've done at our firm that are, you know, trying to protect our clients' data. And we were wandering through the exhibit hall and I came across Steve who happens to be a, I would call a cybersecurity expert. And so he and I geeked out a little bit. It was one of my, the best vendors that I spoke to. And the reason for that, in my opinion, the reason for that is because I, you know, software for performance is important, but if, if I have to make a phone call and I think I told Steve before in one of my prior jobs, I had to make a phone call where data was, um, breached and I never want to do that ever again in my entire life because it was stressful to the client and it was stressful to the company and it was stressful to the deliverer of the message. So I, um, I just am very sensitive to that kind of topic and that particular issue as we all should be as financial planners. But I think particularly sensitive because I've actually lived it and don't ever want to have to go down that vineyard row ever again. Understood. So then Steve and I actually got together and did a presentation for other financial planners on things that they could be doing to improve their practice and their cybersecurity. And so I just, I wanted to bring them on the show to be able to talk to consumers as well and clients and, and listeners because this isn't a problem that's going to go away. This is going to continue to be a bigger and bigger problem. And people like Steve and any little tips or experiences they've had is going to be very critical in our lives. So I just wanted to give that background. And, and I would love to know, Steve, you know, how, how did you get into this profession and you're clearly passionate about it. So kind of tell us about the formation of your vineyard. Thanks, Amy. Uh, I started back in, I guess, 2000. I really always liked technology. My background is banking and finance, which makes it a natural fit for supporting the financial services industry. So I mm-hmm. was in, you know, vice president of a couple of banks. I worked for Fannie Mae. Uh, so I've been in the industry for a number of years. And I always, everything I did, I always leaned towards technology. And and back during the Y2K crisis, mm-hmm. you know, we're replacing all these computers and I had to work with technology companies to do, to replace all these computers. I always liked dabbling in it. And so um, my final stint was the CFO of a large real estate company. And I just decided, you know, I just, this, this wasn't for me. I wasn't feeling like I was being fulfilled or going anywhere. So I left that company. I took six months off. I went to school. Um, I attained three different certifications in technology. Uh, and then I just wasn't sure what I was going to do next. <laughs> so I got these certifications and I thought I would try to go work for a company, uh, but it was in 2001 and nobody was hiring. Mm, yeah. And I actually worked for a company for a couple months and I didn't get paid. I just said, look, you know, I know they had no money to pay me, but I said, look, I, you know, how about I help you out and work here? I just want to learn more. And they didn't even have enough work for me uh, not getting paid. Uh, so I ended up starting off my own and, and struggled for multiple years. I joined up with a partner. We continued to struggle, uh, until late 2002. I ended up buying him out. And then, um, 
you know, this is now, I mean, we, we, we were together literally for six months and we, we thought we weren't going to make it. I bought him out. I offered him a job. He stayed on for another year. And, and finally, you know, we finally turned the corner. We, we were having some technology on remote access and SSL VPN technology that was early on in the adoption process and a lot of companies weren't using it. So it was kind of our method of the madness was to get into companies and then ultimately, you know, do what we're doing now, which is manage mm-hmm. services. And ironically, how I made a living back in 2002, 2000, through say 2005, uh, I don't, none of, I don't make a single dime almost on what I was doing back, you know, 15 years ago to the, the whole business has changed and we've had to change with it to, you know, be relevant to our, to our, our clients and, and the industry. So, I mean, starting your own company, that's a nice little challenge to the vineyard yeah. and <laughs> a little <laughs> more, more insanity. I mean, I guess <laughs> <laughs> having done it completely understand. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> um, uh, what was, what was, so you said that you were partners for only like six months and yeah. then you ended up buying him out and he was hired on. Was it that he wasn't, it was a, cause if you, if you hired him on, then there wasn't a relationship issue. It's just that he couldn't, he wasn't interested in ownership or. Uh, I think it was really, uh, I didn't, I, he didn't think we were going to make it. And, and I, okay. I barely thought we were going to make it. Uh, and he, but he was brilliant. He was a great guy. I, I still am friends with him to this day. He, um, I think it was a struggle for him to, you know, be a business owner. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but he, you know, I, I always tell this story to people who have asked me about him and in the, in the, in the, even to this day, I learned so much from him in those early years that there's things I'm solving from a technology or troubleshooting perspective. He taught me. So mm-hmm. the relationship, even though the partnership didn't last, what I learned from him is, was an, has been invaluable mm-hmm. over, over mm-hmm. years. So everything happens for reasons. You know, I, I mean, I bought him out for the money he put in the company. I mean, the money was, the company was worthless. I mean, <laughs> we were <laughs> losing money hand over fist and, 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 you know, I, I think my wife was like, are, are you kidding me? Are you, why don't you just shut, shut the company? Why don't you go get a job? I mean, even my mother at some point was saying, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> like, like I, I think we're on to something. I think we're on to something. And then, and, you know, I still struggled several years after that. I mean, it wasn't like this, you know, instant turnaround. And, and you know, the funny thing about my background is, my background was in finance and in the, in the mortgage industry. And, and during that time, you know, where interest rates were low and I knew a lot of friends in the mortgage business who would say, Steve, man, I'm making a ton of money. You, you got to come in the mortgage business. Why don't you, you know, cause I'm like, Oh man, I'm struggling here. I'm struggling, you know? And, and, but it was, but, but you know what it is, it comes down to your passion, you know? And even though I could do mortgages and I could have, I could have given up my passion and mm-hmm. gone into the mortgage industry and probably made a ton of money for several years. It, it, it just didn't appeal to me. So mm-hmm. I, I stuck it out. I stuck it out. I, I, I mean, I, I went through my entire savings account, my almost, I mean, all my retirement money, you know, to keep the company afloat. Uh, and then finally, you know, you know, five years into it started, you know, turning the corner. And I, when I, sometimes I, I reminisce or look back at the financials back then and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know how I made it. <laughs> I don't even know how I made it today, you know? <laughs> well, what's amazing is when Brett and I, and you probably did the same thing when Brett and I decided that I was going to go independent, we cut back on everything oh, that oh. wasn't, you know, it wasn't a requirement. Then we cut it back and we learned to live very leanly. And in reality, five years later are still living fairly leanly um, compared to what our lives were like in 2014. And we really don't miss some of the things that we did. Probably the amount of travel that we did, we don't do that much. So we don't miss that. Some of the other stuff just, it went away. And I remember the first time this was my like, oh my gosh, I think we're going to make it. Like we have enough money 
that we're not going to have to actually pull from the savings account right. this week. Yeah. Um, and about two months later, I'm like, do you think I can get a pedicure? I mean, it was like, you know, like 25 bucks, right? But oh, I know. Those, I, you know yeah. those are the things. I know. I remember, I, uh, I mean, it's funny you say that because I, when, so in 2000, we had a daughter. Okay. So in 2000, we had a daughter. And this is when I went through my little midlife crisis of, you know, wanting, you know, getting, changing my career path and going into technology and, and, and extending my own. So, so we had our daughter and my wife left her job. Um, so we went, you know, from the, the typical dual income, no kids back in 2000 to no income with kid. <laughs> um, and I remember, I don't remember the year, but I'm thinking it was around 2004 or five. One of those years where literally my tax return was zero. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing. I had no income. I mean, it was just like, you know, again, we, again, we were living off savings. I mean, fortunately, we were frugal to, to save money mm -hmm. to prepare for this day, you know, but, but, you know, you still, no matter how much savings you have, it's really difficult to start going through it and it disappear, yeah. disappear and disappear. And yeah. eventually you say, if it keeps disappearing, I'm going to have a problem, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, so it's, it was, it was, it was, it's, it was, it's interesting to look back at it and, and to where we are today, you know. And so they say, um, from everything that I've read about grapes, that a drought actually makes a better grape yeah. Yeah. than, you know, having too much abundance of rain or anything like that because the mold will get to it if it's too rainy, right? Mold right. and mildew, where the grape will conserve the the or the yeah if it's if there's a drought the grape will conserve and the the actual wine that comes out of it tends to be better because it's been more stressed so when i when people talk about when people like you and i talk about our business ventures and <laughs> thankfully coming out on the other side and how sweet and when i say sweet i mean delicious the wine actually becomes once the business starts to um, succeed and you can see the the hard work that you've put into it the thing that people forget and i don't know if you've experienced this or not but i've had people walk up to me and say man you're an overnight success yeah. like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it just took me 25 years <laughs> you know <laughs> um yeah. and your business is the same you know like you talk about those really lean years those really hard years and the sacrifices that you had to make and now people are saying man you're booming your business is doing amazing like you know it's there and there's still ownership business ownership Although it does have some great flexibility to it, it also has some really good headaches sometimes. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, there's no, there's nobody to turn to, you know. And, and in, in many ways, even though my partnership, my partner only lasted six months, I had a partner and somebody you could mm -hmm. run things by. But when you're the sole owner, you know, you you got nobody to turn to. You know, as they say, it is lonely at the top because it is, yeah. you have to make the decisions. You have to live and die with those decisions. And, and as they always say, there's no wrong decisions. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you have to make a decision and you have to live with it. And then you may have to take a right or change a decision, but you know, you, you make the best decision you can with all the information you have available. At the time, yeah. At the time. And sometimes yeah. you got to take a right after you make that decision. Um, but I, you know, the, it's, 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 the, you know, our core values, our core business is really never really change. It's really, you know, it's never been about making money. It's about, it's about taking care of the client, doing the right thing, being fiduciaries like you are to your clients. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I think we've never lost the core values of our company, no matter how, how much money we lost during that time that eventually feel that we would see, see our way through it. You know, if we continue to do the right thing, uh, you know, we would eventually, I think, see, you know, mm -hmm. get to the other side. And it's become since 2000 and well, since 2000, when you started the company, and I do remember I worked for a, a trust company at the time. So I worked, uh, was working on 401k administration and employee education back in 2000, 1999 into 2000. And I remember I was the department manager. And so we were all on call that night, you know, of New Year's Eve of 1999 oh. in case 
everything went down. We printed volumes and volumes and volumes of paper in case, um, you know, things went down and we had a disaster recovery plan and, a, you know, a business continuity plan and all those. It was great lesson for running your own business from that perspective. Yeah. But we were all on call that night. Midnight came and went. The lights were still on. Everything was still working. I went to bed. <laughs> I was just <laughs> glad. I was like, oh, I got it. Because I couldn't drink that night in case I had to go into work. It was the most boring New Year's Eve I've ever experienced. That, I mean, and when we think about the technology from 2000 to now, you're talking basically 20 years, right? And the the internet as we knew it even back in 2000, I mean, so put it in perspective in, in our profession, back in 2000, most of the 401k plans and retirement plans we were working on back then did not have daily valuations. Mm. You got a quarterly statement yep. in the mail. We were starting to add a lot of that online access at that point in time, but it was very, very early on. Fast forward 20 years, and now almost all of it is daily valuation, a few yeah. old plans out there are not. But it also raises the risk of people um, wanting to go through and, and get data because you know that's what everybody is living in. So you went back to college and got several certificates in a field that you were very passionate about, started this company and mentioned the, uh, the F word as we call it in our, and we say that is a good thing in our world, by the yeah. way, fiduciary. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if you ever um, saw the XYPN t-shirt that they had a couple years ago, but it, it says on the back of it, we're a big fan of the F word. And then underneath it, it says fiduciary. <laughs> Oh, that's a great, great. <laughs> so I love all my XYPN t-shirts. They all have great things. Um, but um, tell us a little bit about what that actually means. So uh, when we were doing the webinar together and you were explaining a few things to some of the other planners, tell us what that means to be, um, you know, a fiduciary in this, in your world. Yeah, it, it, in my world, it's. I think it's similar to yours. It's, it, I mean, we, you know, we have to make money, right? But it is not our purpose. It is not our mm -hmm. goal. Our goal is to do the right thing, uh, take care of the clients, make sure we're transparent. If we mess up, we tell the client we mess up. Uh, if we need to... Uh, make tell the client that you know we're not the right fit uh mm -hmm. nothing is about making money it's about really always suggesting and recommending the right thing early on when i started doing work with financial advisors there was a gentleman who sat me down uh in the fee only part of business and he said you know steve if, if you want to be in this business you have to treat me and I don't mind paying you for your service or your knowledge or expertise, but I don't want to pay you for any product you sell me be, be based on a commission, right? So it's similar mm -hmm. to investments, right? You want to make commission and put people in uh, high earning, you know, commissions because you're making more money. So it's very mm -hmm. similar conversation, which is, you know, in my world, right? Don't, don't sell me a Cisco this quarter and a Dell the following quarter, mm -hmm. IBM mm -hmm. the next quarter, or Lenovo the following quarter, because they're all giving you kickbacks and returns and commissions and they get better product. I want you to always, so in my world, right, fiduciary, always sell me the best technology at the best price and don't make commission on it, right? So that's mm -hmm. what we do. I mean, I will always recommend the best product, the best technology, not because I'm making margin on it. Everything we sell essentially is at cost, not, not MSRP, but mm -hmm. true cost plus, plus 5%, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's what we, that's what we, that, that's, that's what, that's what we do. Right. And so I think it's very unique and we're very unique that way because I think a lot mm -hmm. of our competitors are making margin on everything they do. Mm -hmm. In addition, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Amy. No, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say you work mostly with businesses instead of individuals, though. 
That's correct. That's correct. That's yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mainly, yeah. Almost exclusively with business businesses. I mean, we, we get involved with individuals who are owners of companies, or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's the typical. You know, can you help me out with this and that? And 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 then we will get we will deal with individuals. But mainly, mainly we're dealing with businesses. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that um, I found very interesting in our conversations over time is that you're willing to help small businesses up. Like, like you said, even if, if you're not the right fit for them, you'll give them ideas and suggestions until they're the right fit. So for example, if a company is too small, you'll say to them, well, you might want to try this. And when I say too small, like no company is too small, but if you think that it makes sense for them to go a different route, then you'll right. say, you know, well, at the... It, how your design right now, this might work well for you. You might want to go explore that. But here's where we feel we could bring value to you. Well, of course they're going to, hey, you know, this person just recommended this. And when they're at that capacity, who are they going to call you? And it's going to be a long-term relationship because you helped them out up front. Right, correct. <laughs> and gave them the answer that could give them, you know, help at their pain point at that point in time. But it's also about the education with you. And I think that's one of the things in my perception. It, it was, um, it, it, I think it's really important as a fiduciary to make sure that we're educating people on Correct. things that we're sharing with them. So there's a lot of jargon in both of our professions. And sometimes when I'm dealing with your profession, I have to Google the words. Like, I don't know what they always mean. So I have to Google them and read about them. It's like sitting with a dictionary on one side of me and the language of uh, security on the other. But you have, in my short time knowing you, always been willing to take a step back and say, okay, well, this is what this means. And you give really good examples. So was that something that you learned like when you were in the banking world or it's just intrinsic in you or how did that, cause I don't always think people do that naturally. Some, you know, some people do, but not everybody does. I think I, great, great, really fun question for me. And I'll tell you why, because I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with something really interesting in my life right now with my father who's, who has dementia. Right. And, oh, and so I, a, a lot of it has to do with my father. My father is a brilliant guy. He was an entrepreneur. He ran houses for de- developmentally disabled. And he always taught me this, you know, his, his principle was always this, what he used to call it N plus one. You do one extra thing that somebody else isn't doing to provide value. That's just something, no, it, it's unexpected, you know, and here, here's, some simple, stupid things that are unexpected. Like, so I went to, when I was in my Fannie, Fannie Mae days and working for Fannie Mae, I used to install some software when it came in a big shrink wrap box and, you know, <laughs> came on floppy disks and, you know, I'm installing the software. There's like, I don't know, 20 disks, you know, one at a time, right? Well, while that was happening, instead of just sitting there, I took the box, I took out the shrink wrap, I took all the papers out, I put the dividers in, I, I put it in the binder, I snapped it all together and presented this book ready to go that the client didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Did, it, did it go noticed? Nah, sometimes yes, sometimes no, but at least I left there proud that I, I left it in great shape. So you leave things in better shape then you mm. get them. You know, we, we had a friend of ours who, who borrowed our, our car, they borrowed our truck a couple months ago. They were going on a trip. They needed a truck. So we swapped cars. The, the car we got from them, they said, geez, we haven't had time to clean it. It was, it was kind of messy. Hadn't been vacuumed. It would just look like a, a bomb <laughs> up in there. But when they came back, I vacuumed the car. I, I washed the car. I had it fully full tank of gas, and I returned it to them in better shape than I, and I got it. Did I have to do that? No, but it's just, it's the little things, right, that mm-hmm. make a difference. The N plus one thing my, my father always taught me, and those are the things I keep trying to drain and, and drill into the team here and our values of, you know, what can we do to, to be different? Because mm-hmm, there's a lot mm-hmm. of competition out there, and, yeah. and how how are we different? And these little little things 
just make a huge difference. So if you um, are Borg and you are interested in swapping cars, I'd be happy to do that with you. <laughs> you, get, you, know, you can drop it off with an empty tank of gas, <laughs> completely dirty, and it'll come back in mint condition. Anytime, just let me know. You yeah. know, <laughs> especially it's really hard down in Florida because you have all the sand. So I know, like, cry, cry, cry. As as we're, uh, I was talking to somebody earlier today before we hopped on, and and they said I think it's up to twenty two degrees today. And they asked me, they asked me what the temperature was, and I said, Do you really want to know? And they said yes, and I said it's seventy five, but it's gloomy. I like felt the need to. <laughs> Like explain that. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I want to. Maybe we should end this conversation right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, want to hear sorry. it. No. So you mentioned that you have a, a daughter that was born in 2000. So she must be. Uh, she's out of high school at this point in time. She is. She's is in. Uh, yeah. She's going to college at Florida Tech in Melbourne, Florida. Yeah, yeah over in uh, Melbourne, right? Yeah. And so, um, so the. Uh, financial conversations that you've probably had with her are fairly interesting, I'm sure. Uh, does she listen to dad at all? She's, uh, she, she does. She, her, you know, her and I have a very nice relationship. You know, I, uh, my wife was uh, all supportive of the, the two of us going out west. Uh, we went to Bryce and Zion and the Grand Canyon and, and uh, took in a Cirque du Soleil show in Las Vegas. So we have a really fun relationship and it's really, she's a really, really good, good kid. She uh, got to, to go to Florida Tech. She got an academic and a, and a crew okay. or, or a rowing scholarship. Uh, oh, they're and, big over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been, it's been fun. Unfortunately, her, her first semester was pretty rough because, you know, week one, you know, was okay. Then she had to evacuate with Hurricane Dorian that comes back and gets, she gets strapped and then she gets, uh, no, I'm sorry. She gets, uh, mono and then she gets struck throat and then uh we thought she had tonsillitis and end up being tonsillitis but she she's had a heck of a semester her her finals are this week um and i think she's i think she's gonna just just skate by it hasn't been a great semester but but i i applaud her for you know sticking hanging out. in there and sticking it out and and uh you know i, I think i think she's gonna I think she's going to get through and probably not, not with all the grades she'd like to get, but you know, it is what it is. Life, you got to deal with what life gives you sometimes. Now there's a group over there. I think it's called the pink ladies. If I remember correctly, that's a rowing group and they support, um, they're, they're a lot of them are breast cancer survivors. Oh, okay. And they started this group. I'll have to Google it and send you the information, but I know they row right. Um, they row right there in the Indian Atlantic, you know, um, on the intercoastal, um, probably in the intercoastal, intercoastal right? yeah, yeah. And so, um, I'll have to get you guys some information because she might be interested in participating in some of the events that they have. Oh, right? I'm sure she would. I'm sure she would. Yeah. yeah so, that, I mean, that, you know, obviously she stuck it out. She understood the value of her education, even though it was a rough year and the grades weren't what she yeah. wanted them to be. And not maybe what dad and mom wanted them to necessarily be, but understanding were there, have there been any other lessons? I mean, starting a business, you have lots of lessons, yeah. um, but have there been any other lessons that you've learned around finance throughout the course of, of your life? Uh, around finance, uh, I think, you know, so my background has always been finance and accounting, which has been a, va a value to, to run a business. Uh, you know, so I've always been able to think about, you know, managing money, borrowing money. I've, I've been involved either indirectly or directly in 15 different acquisitions uh, for different wow. companies I've, I've been involved with. I've acquired two companies here. I've almost acquired two more companies. I'm negotiating on, a, on, a, on another company right now. So, um, and, you know, to me, you know, and, and again, another lesson learned from my father, you know, so my father had acquired real estate over his period of time when he was an entrepreneur. So, but he was very, he's very typical. We'd walk into a house, you know, when he was acquiring it for an investment and he said, he would say, this house is worth this much to me. 
and it would not let the ego get in the way. It's, you know, it's not, you know, you, and I, and I learned a lot again that from my father too, about just, you know, ego is a bad thing when you're looking mm-hmm. buying something because you don't buy it for ego. You buy it because it makes sense from a business aspect. So, so anyway, so he would go in a house, say the house is worth what, hundred, 200,000, whatever the number is. And he would make that offer. And if the offer was countered, he would go on to the next house. <laughs> he, he wouldn't even counter back. He would just say, nope, wow. this, this is worth this to me. I'm giving you a fair offer. If you don't accept it, I'm going on to the next one. So he had a, a, a realtor who really liked him because it was really pretty simple. It, there was not a lot of time. It was, nego- it was like, okay, I'm looking at this house. I'm going to pay this amount of money. Okay, not interested in this one. I'm going to the next one. <laughs> and and you know, he would not get really so tied to the house as an investment, but it does it make an investment from business aspect, from a cash flow aspect, not so much. I want to buy it because I want to, I want to be a real estate mogul and I want to make right. ego about it, you know? So that's interesting. I mean, I did not realize that you would acquire two. I knew when we talked or maybe you told me and I thought you only said one. So you've acquired two, but you've not allowed that emotion to get behind it. Um, you've, you've taken it from the standpoint of the lesson learned from dad. I love it when our guests are um, sharing those kinds of lessons learned from their parents or grandparents or, or whatever it is. And being able to take that and then pass it down to the next generation to your daughter, or even, you know, within your business, having that background in it as well as finance really does help. I think a lot of times with small business owners, they look at the dollar um, associated with like what you do or any service that's out there, but particularly with what you do. And I think I told you that when I had my um, SEC exam, like the start, what they call the startup exam, they, it's actually, you know, they asked me like, do you feel that this is too pricey of all the things that you're doing? Like, does it take up too much time or, you know, what, does it concern you the price? I said, yeah, of course it concerns me the price that I have to pay for this, but it's a much more uh, enjoyable experience to spend the money on that than having to pick up the phone and call the client. So being able to kind of pass that down to your daughter, even to say, sometimes you have to spend money on things you don't want to spend it on, but it's because it's the right thing to do. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. I mean, there's times where we've, we have, uh, you know, made mistakes, right? We've all make mistakes and we will make the client whole costs, cost money. We lose money on the transaction, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it, you, 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 you always do the right thing. I mean, always, 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 I want to sleep at night. I want to do the right thing. And it's, and if, if we, if we don't, then, then we, we make retribution for it. And we, and we always take care of the client always, always, always. So talking about, always taking care of the client. If there were three tips that you could, and you know, doesn't matter what order of priority, but if there were three (laughs) tips that you could say to people, just make sure you do this. Like there's lots of other stuff, but if you could just do these things, you would just protect yourself so much more than anybody else's. You ready? (laughs) <laughs> yes, I am taking notes. <laughs> First and foremost, anything you can possibly do for any access to anything. Okay. So whether it's Facebook, Amazon, email, your bank, your, your financial accounts, Anything you can possibly use, what's called multi-factor authentication, mm. is really, really important. Multi-factor authentication is, you know, you type your username, you type your password in, and then you can use, you know, free services like Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator. Uh, there are services that you can do. They uh, put up a little uh, scan code and you can mm-hmm. scan right in and get a second factor authentication. Uh, so I use it for almost everything I do. My GoDaddy account, my LinkedIn account, my Facebook account, my Amazon account, uh, anything I can possibly do. And the most important one, bar none, is your email. Because the, 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 the bad people, the bad guys, are what they do is 
you know, they're phishing. They try to get you to, you know, click on a link to get your email credentials. They get your email credentials, get in your email and they start, you know, trying to figure out, you know, resetting passwords to accounts that you might have because they're in your email. They know the accounts you have. So if you have multi-factor authentication and if you click on a link and you give up that password, at least with two-factor or multi-factor authentication, mm-hmm. they cannot get into your email. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. really, really critically important. I talk about that a lot and uh, it's, I, you know, we are pushing more and more of our clients to, to make sure they do those things. And it can be done at home. It can be done at home. I mean, for home users, just, home right, users, Gmail, I have, I have two different email accounts. I have a work email account with two-factor and I have my Gmail account with, with two-factor authentication. And I, and I forced my wife to do it. My wife got, her email got hacked years ago and, you know, she, you know, she just had a stupid easy password and it got compromised and I, I, Force two factor. So every time she gets a phone or a new iPad or whatever her little <laughs> gadget is, I have to help her set it up because <laughs> she, she just doesn't have to deal with it enough. But, you know, and it's good to have a little an IT guy in the house, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with what you're saying. We have that on all of our stuff at the office and I mean, all of it. And then if they don't have it, then we, have, we force the passwords to be changed yeah. so that, you know, every three months so that they're there's a frequency of change, but, and it also depends on like what the data is, you know, but still I, you know, email is one of those things um, that I think a lot of people are complacent about. We always tell people don't send us anything with your social security number in in the body of the email, because if your email ever gets hacked, now they just have a ton of data and yet people still do it. They're like, ah, it's people have in my impression. So I want to get to your other two, but people in my impression have become sort of lax. It's like, am I, you know, they already have that information anyways. I've been hacked so many times. Like, you know, it's, it's not about when it's about if, and I'm like, oh my gosh, but don't you want to make it a little hard? It's like, it's like, you know, don't you want to lock your door at night just to make it a little hard for them to get in? <laughs> so, okay. So that's number one. Number two. Um, I'm going to say, can I give you like a 1A? Yes. Along with 1A, the two-factor, <laughs> you know, be careful with passwords and you might want to consider a password manager. Uh, so complex passwords, uh, you know, if you can consider passphrases, which mm-hmm. even though you can and, and make them long, like instead of, you know, the two, you know, everyone thinks about a minimum password. I want an eight character password. Well, why not 14 or 20 digits, mm-hmm. but make it simple, meaning, uh, you know, names or things that are simple for you to remember that uh, would be hard for somebody to guess because the longer the password is, the more difficult it is to guess. So for example, I use a password manager. I use LastPass to manage all my passwords and important for getting into LastPass, your, your password to get in there is very complex. Plus, of course, as I mentioned earlier, I use two factor. My password to get into LastPass is 27 characters. Now I say that and, and, and people may say, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Must, how do you remember that? Because it's a passphrase. It's a cobbled together words and numbers that I know that no one's going to guess 27 characters, but it's, it's probably, believe it or not, one of the easiest passwords I know <laughs> because it's a, it's a phrase. So you can make that happen. And for someone to hack a 27 character password is, yeah, would be nearly impossible. Would be nearly yeah. impossible. So, yeah, so that's one two factor, <laughs> two, two factor, and then one A is last or uh, password manager. Password manager and, and with good passwords. Okay, now we're on the two. Uh, make sure you have a backup of of your data. You know, so you know whether again you're a business user, or either home user. Uh, you know, whether you have pictures or or data or documents. You know, whether you're using you know a good carbonite or something to back up, make sure you're backing up, mm. you know, have some alert that if you're not backing up, um, um, make sure you're, um, 
uh, you know, backing up that data, testing the data that if the data is there, uh, that you can, you can, you can gain access to that data. So, uh, and a couple of, you already mentioned, um, like a couple of backup, man, um, but like Backupify is one. I think Barracuda yeah. is another one. Yeah, for online, um, right? For if you're online, yeah. yeah so Office yeah. 365, or, or yeah. you know, being able to back up your email online is really, really important. Or backing up your mm -hmm. Gmail. I mean, you, it's very difficult to recover all the all that information mm -hmm. online as well. So having some, you know, looking on online backups as well. So really important backup, especially when you get ransomware, right? I mean, ransomware. Yeah. There's only two ways to recover: pay the money or recover from backup. And people really don't want to pay the money. Because <laughs> sometimes it's really big ransoms. Okay, so that was two. Number three. Number three to me is really just educate. Educate yourself on being careful of what to click on and being careful, mm. you know, there's all these tempting things to click on, whether it's with your email, whether it's in social media, whether it's on, you know, even MSN or any website mm. that a lot of times all these pop-up ads and all these things that are tempting aren't good things to click on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can use, and again, I'll, again, I'm going to do a 3A here because I think it'll help is, <laughs> is you know, a, a product I, I know you and I have talked about is a product called OpenDNS. And it's mm -hmm. really difficult to describe this <laughs> over a phone call. But, you know, if you go to OpenDNS.com, there's, it's a free, there's a free link on there to show you how to use it. Uh, but DNS, OpenDNS can help you with, uh, you know, it'll, it's the, the phone book of the internet. And so this company was owned by Cisco will look at bad websites. And if you use their servers to resolve websites, it will block bad servers. So in the event you do uh, part three, which is you click on a bad link, part three, a of open DNS can help you block it and, and not download that link by accident. Which so, is really important. <laughs> really important. You know what? We all get tempted. We all see these uh -huh. crazy little things, and they prey on our vulnerabilities. Uh, and that that you know that we'll click on these things and hope they get access to our computers. Well, and they're tricky too because sometimes it's coming from, um, and they've gotten really good at it. Yeah. So sometimes they come from a service that you use, and it used to be like a financial institution a lot of times. But and and you could usually see some errors in those ones, right? Like maybe the pronunciation or the language is a little off or something like that. But they've gotten really, really good mirroring what your service provider looks like. So you almost have to be like, I don't ever sign in from a link that says click here. Great advice. So Great advice. I yep. always go to the actual website. So if I get something from like GoDaddy, yep. I don't click on the link that's in the email. I go to GoDaddy. Perfect. Great and it, advice. And, yep. you know, so those are the kinds of things that I think are, they look real. They yep. look real, but they're, so dangerous. And yet, you know, people say hover over the link before you click, make sure that it's, an, you know, that it looks, but they've gotten smart about some of that too. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, be very careful. So you're saying, you know, go explore open DNS and see, go to that website, explore it, see if it's the right solution for you. Yeah, yeah. So if if nobody walks away from this podcast from with anything else, they've gotten three fabulous tips. And you work in an extremely stressful environment where there's <laughs> constant. I, I mean, it, no, really. I mean, it's like working in an ER to a certain extent because you're constantly, literally, constantly under attack. Right. That's your job is to monitor these things that are companies that. And we, we as a managed service provider are even under more attack right now, because if you think about it, if you, there's been some recent articles and a, uh, a firm that managed 110 nursing homes like ours, mm -hmm. attacked, they infected 110 nursing homes this past week a firm that manages a hundred dental offices was attacked because they get into the managed service provider like us, 
they get 110 nursing homes, they get 100 dental offices. So, so you know, as you're saying, you know, it's 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 stressful. We're constantly under attack. Companies are yeah. constantly under attack. But now, companies like mine are even bigger attack targets under because attack. we have the keys to multiple kingdoms. You know. Yeah. So, what do you do to de-stress? How do you recharge? <laughs> Are we going back to the wine conversation? Is yeah, it, yeah. All things bring back to wine. <laughs> uh, for in my, me, in my little world. Yes. Yeah. For, I mean, I'm not as as I told you before. I'm not a huge wine drinker. I do like I, Malbec's my favorite. Um, I mean, for me. Um, you know, get outside. Uh, you know, my wife and I just joined a tennis club. I, I'm, I, I used to play tennis a long time ago. It's nice to play tennis again. It's ski season up in up in New England. You know, in the summertime, you know, golf or bike or hike. Uh, I like to hike in the wintertime up here because there's no bucks. You know, so <laughs> okay. get out for a walk, get out for a hike, sure. snowshoe, uh, ski, get out, get outside, travel. I mean, I, I do travel a lot for work. But, but travel for fun, you know, I mean, those are things I do. What do you do? What do you do for stress relief? <laughs> Back to wine. Well, there's a couple things. I, yeah, no, I, I do love a glass of wine. There's no, uh, but a beach always just stresses oh, yeah. me, any kind of beach. And also just like when we're up north, if my husband and I can just sit out on our back porch and look at the water, um, we, our house sits on a pond. So I think it's that pond or that, excuse me, that water Oh, water. Yeah. We have a house on a lake. We have a house on a lake in the summertime. Um, I I go out there and just, it's just, you know, you're, I can feel that my blood pressure drop, you know, just being out on the lake. It's just, I don't know, something about water, you know, just, it's something about water. Just relaxes you. Even if you're not on it, just being, Near it. Near it. Yeah, just you know, near it. Yeah, there's it. something about that. And, you know, add a glass of wine and some good friends, <laughs> and that's the perfect life. <laughs> that totally distresses me. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and being on the show. We're so honored that you, we know you're really busy. Yeah. Um, we're so honored that you would do that. We're going to have some information in the show notes about your company and how people can reach out to you. Um, you know, to explore if it's a good relationship and a good business venture for them to form a relationship with you. We really, really, really do appreciate it. It's a great conversation. And every single time I talk to you, I learn something. So thank you so much for your time today, Steve. Thanks, Amy. I really appreciate you having me today. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.